Good afternoon, everyone. Hope you're good. Welcome back. If you've been here before, if not, this is a daily weekdays. We come daily to you at 12.30 and we chew it over. We talk about whatever's topical at the time with some, usually with guests. And we have one today that's uh, that's absolutely brilliant thinker in this space. Managed to stir the hornet's nest yesterday, far more than I anticipated. So in some in some quarters but turns out that some people have a real sense of identity with the term allied health professional um and what i've then concluded that it's practically and politically pertinent sometimes uh but yeah i struggle to find understanding of it as a identity between a professional one and say healthcare professionals which is more descriptive uh but some people are really into that so um it's going to be one that i imagine we'll have to revisit because i think people want to pick my pick my brains on that a little more um but enough of that, and maybe we'll come to that tomorrow. But today, uh, we're going to be talking about something that's never contentious, which is the use of touch, the use of hands, manual therapy, massage, with what I consider to be one of the leading massage therapists I've ever met, and someone that just is very thoughtful about how he's going about describing it, very involved in, in introducing rehab to these, these disciplines, as well as reconceptualizing it through uh, a, a massive new show called the Massage Matters Podcast, run by him and his colleagues, Anna Maria and Becky. So without further ado, I'll bring you Matt Scarsbrook and we're going to chew over the use of touch. And he's going to get all philosophical, he's told me. He's just shown me all these reams of notes, which has obviously scared me. Here he is. <laughs> Matt, can you hear us? I can, thank you. Yeah, hi. How are you? Mm. Not so bad <laughs> nervous, though. Like I said, you've, you've, uh, you've, you've, put, you've put the winds up me now, showing me your notes and telling me you're going to talk about philosophy. You all saw the uh, extent of my philosophical knowledge just uh naming some names uh, earlier was it last week or yeah i think it was last week it blew me away i was like right in that case if he's got that up his sleeve let's let's bring him back out again you just couldn't see me reading uh reading some names <laughs> reading your notes. well as, as i say i've got my notes as well today because um there's i mean basically basically the reason i wanted to jump on as much as anything else was um i figured it's quite a cool forum for a bit of a public brain dump uh yeah. about some stuff that i've been mulling over um and and in particular touching on some elements that have come in from yourself and from some others over the last week or two uh that really have kind of triggered where i've gone with this so what i'll probably do is if it's all right is i'll try and do a you and you know a good 15 minute introduction uh before <laughs> before opening back up to you uh, but uh, just it's about kind 14 of... minutes in you remember that you should put a question mark at the end of it that's what i yeah. usually do yeah there is a question in there but it is rhetorical um <laughs> and, and, then, <laughs> and then we can come back to it but oh, cool Essentially, I do definitely want you to sort of frame why we wanted to talk about this because it won't be the last time we visit this sort of general topic. But certainly, you know, people understanding what the you know the philosophy of touch, etc., was you know, it's a vague title. What was it about? Give, Absolutely, you yeah. Something you got to give us something. It was clickbait, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so okay, so there were basically there's there's four uh, main triggers that have kind of pulled together my thinking for today. So the first one was uh, listening to session 82 with Michelle Angus um, from uh, the Physio Matters podcast yep. uh, on, on acute back pain. Um, and in particular, uh, a very, I thought, beautifully, beautifully phrased question, but very cheeky and, 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 and could have been explored a lot further, I think, which is if in uh, ED, uh, you're providing some form of analgesia in order to help someone reassure them and essentially get them back to movement, which is which is you know 
the primary goal that Bichelle was discussing. You asked, why would you not provide a menu of other analgesic uh, components such as massage? Um, and there was a beautiful element of silence uh, from Michelle while she was uh, trying to think that one over and, 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 and came back with, well, it's not the job. And, and that struck me as both totally true and quite incongruous at the same time, because surely in that scenario, providing analgesia by way of rebuilding confidence is in fact the job. Um, you know, and, and, and to provide someone who in, in, in that scenario is in acute back pain, uh, the confidence that actually hurt doesn't mean harm and they can continue moving and, and get themselves well again. Um, and you, you continue to, to, to make the point that, that the go-to is medication and, and should it be. Um, so I thought that was, that was quite a, a, a poignant bit for me. Monday earlier this week, um, chewing it over, so I'm afraid this is you again, um, but you were talking obviously about your your views at the moment about um, this sort of contentiousness between population-based evidence and RCTs and then the sort of subjective lived experience and how, you know, ne neither is perfect. And if you're sitting in one camp or the other, you are missing a fundamental component of the whole. Um, and And for me, obviously, uh my the, the way that i see manual therapy being interpreted is often in that subjective lived experience which i think as you pointed out uh you know eventually that just leads to chaos if if that's all we can rely on but i think it's well recognized that uh, a, a formal rct you know the gold standard that we know and love um doesn't apply well to things like manual therapy where there is clearly a subjective element to it mm -hmm. So then that brings me on to uh, a series of posts uh, by the ever eloquent Adam Meekins over the last uh, week or so, um, where he creates some beautiful polarity um, with discussions over the efficacy uh, of certain manual interventions um, based upon, I think we could recognize as the traditional beliefs about what these interventions are doing. You know, so he's quite rightly talking about uh, the fact that um, myofascial release is in fact not releasing fascia. If there is an adhesion in the, the you need a scalpel rather than, than good fingers. Um, but again, it, it sort of, I think it, it, it pulled into a bit of Monday's tune over where you're discussing the fact that actually there's a, there's quite a polarity here and, and almost, there is an element of nuance that has to try to bring RCTs and subjective together in some way. Um, that, I imagine you've seen Matt Phillips' interview with Paul Ingraham. Um, yes. And uh, just, just to flag that, and, and you can go on, but it's just that yeah. I think Adam is one of the people that Paul's on about when he thinks that Adam struggles to even comprehend. And in interviews with me, especially with the one that we did famously drunk, uh, for our yeah. millionth, millionth download or whatever it was, he he said to me, just you know, on air, just like, can you can you even comprehend seeking out massage for hands-on care for when you're in pain? And I was like, well, yeah, I can. <laughs> I, I mean, I I don't think I do instinctively as much, but I can comprehend it very easily. And yeah. the fact that he can't, I think he's one of those people that really struggles to even. It's it's just foreign to him and therefore it, part of his identity then becoming against it is because he can't really get that so i know sorry yeah. i hope that sort of adds to your no of other it, things it does there. it absolutely adds um and in actual fact adam might 
take great pleasure in discovering who he is uh, as a result of the next piece that I'm going to talk about, which is um, which is um, the results of something called the touch test, um, which was a uh, huge um, internet-based questionnaire, essentially, uh, that was set up by Goldsmiths and UCL uh, in collaboration with the Wellcome Trust and BBC Four, uh, or BBC Radio Four, I should say, um, who have been kind of uh, presenting some of the results as they've been generated. Now, obviously, touch as a general over overview has has been kind of in the news quite a lot, obviously, because of lockdown and the lack of being able to hug your parents and your mates and all that kind of stuff. But coincidentally, this uh, piece of research was conducted starting in January this year, and it actually finished the first week of lockdown. So predominantly, it was focused at a period of time when actually uh, there were no restrictions around touch. Um, and what they managed to do is they managed to generate something like close to 40,000 responses um, from 112 countries around the world, looking at people's perception of touch, cultural differences in the perception of touch. Mm -hmm. um, and... There's lots and lots of different elements that have been pulled out already and will continue to be pulled out of the data. Um, it's, it's early stuff that's being discussed now, but a lot of it, I think, is quite relevant to, to the conversations, I suppose, that I've been having in my own head and that I'm, I'm hoping to have here. Um, and, and that is... So that then leads me... Okay, so that then leads me, taking all these four bits, <clears throat> to my first rhetorical question, which is... If you wouldn't deny a patient in pain a paracetamol as part of a, on a you know a treatment plan to get them mobilized again and get them moving, why would you deny them massage? Yeah, well, I'm I'm I'm, I'm rejecting it as a hypothetical. I'm going to just try and answer it because I <laughs> I I think that you end up in this space where, as you heard with the my angle of questioning with Michelle. Mm -hmm. And also where many people have heard me go before with this is that the, the, the understanding of mechanisms has, has helped us to understand, especially when we've come to, to recognize the mechanism of effect that has deleterious effects from medication sometimes and the opioid epidemic, etc., has meant that then you end up in this situation where you're all, it's trying to do a, a similar thing in which you're trying to offer some relief, which we understand to be very individual. Uh, as to as to how how people experience that and the context is super super relevant and all the biopsychosocial factors affecting it, and so you end up in a situation where that you can make the case that that you know realistically you shouldn't be considering these things as being particularly different. You know, being a, a tablet analgesic and and say some manual therapy, uh, especially if it's something that someone has this the association to a, one of the one of the two that would mean that they would prefer it. Right. However. One of the big challenges is that in, in philosophical terms, we often think about individual priors, like why, where are you coming from with that at the base level? I'd say that this one it would say more of a sociological sort of societal prior as to what the association is to what that intervention is doing. And as I think I said on that podcast, or you might have heard me say before, is that no one no one attributes the paracetamol or very few people would attribute the paracetamol to their recovery from a pathology injury incident they don't recognize it as being something that is doing anything other than altering the neurological experience it's something that they're comprehending it just messing with the wiring to some extent whereas the strong association to the mechanism of effect of any manual intervention 
and then not just massage here, but certainly when you get to manipulation, things like that, or even you, you know, especially your, your deeper tissue massages and stuff. Yeah, the yeah, inference that, that it yeah. is corrective in a sense that it is actually disease modifying for want of a better mm -hmm. term right and i know jack march and, and, and mike dare and others that are more in that medical side will be mortified at me using that but it's just that in this instance that you know the difference between a um, a paracetamol and a dmard essentially where you're actually making a real obvious and overt um, difference to someone's physiology and in this case sometimes even perceiving their anatomy that prior that sociological prior i'm probably saying that badly but that's so relevant in my opinion to whether or not that these things should be should be done even though i'm agreeing on the base level that it shouldn't be considered different but it, it, it just is so so i suppose then the question to counter that question is is it the is it the treatment that's the problem or is it the uh education uh, around that and i mean both both therapists but also general public uh, and the, and the lack of i suppose the lack of effort of therapists to communicate this to the public uh, to a certain extent that actually it does work and it works through biological and neurological mechanisms that we can explain and that I, i'll dive into in a minute um, and, and that's the reason that it's useful uh, and, and to a certain extent we should then treat it a bit like perhaps i'm hoping i don't get shot for this one but a, a bit like a painkiller as part of the treatment process to uh, eventually end up rehabilitating this 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 individual with with movement with exercise with all the the good stuff that comes out of rcts yeah well i mean it's, i think i think it's it is in the education but i just think that there's such an upper there is a relevant upper limit that we need to understand as to how well you can educate therapists joe public you know fast forward 100 years i mean that seems scary to think about what that what that would do in the context in which we'd be in in 100 years but just imagine we were to take everything else as being the same but we were able to improve the sort of literacy and understanding of what massage say just does or doesn't do or touch does and doesn't do then i think that you're in a situation where it just becomes a very different philosophical question so i think it is it is not in the actual intervention it's in the perception of the intervention however i do want to make sure that i'm clear in saying that i I'm, I'm torn as to just how much impact we can make because even in you know if we think about the cross-cultural studies that have been done in around touch i certainly need to investigate this data that you're talking about now but when i've looked at it cross-culturally and thought well is it is it something that's been quite westernized in that we've sort of commoditized touch in a, in a, in a way um and you look at it and you think that across across different societies the, the mechanism of effect that's sometimes inferred is sometimes different but even within sort of Eastern philosophy, it's often the specificity of it. And they might not be suggesting and inferring that they're changing tissue changes, but they're definitely, you know, the alteration of flows of chi, et cetera, becomes very similarly. Like the specificity still carries with it. And so because of that, I worry that the, you know, how much can we truly influence that? So there is, so that, okay, so to, to take that apart a little bit, um, I would say the West commoditizing touch i'd say we're more blatant about it but i'd say that touch in the east is just uh, from a you know from a massage and well-being perspective touch in the east is just more a part of daily life you know you don't necessarily book in for a massage you just go around your mates and you're having a cup of tea and and, and someone's providing massage you know it's, it's a very it's a social 
aspect of life as opposed to a um you know let me go on google and see who the the best sports therapist lo locally is um so i'd say that that the touch um in that sense uh does sort of transcend culture the the big differences that have come out of the touch test from a cultural perspective um are the differences in what is acceptable in public and what's in private and and, and generally speaking um it appears that the Western world, albeit there are differences between gender and age ranges as well, which is quite interesting, but generally the Western world is more comfortable with a bit more public touch. Um, and the um, uh, Eastern, uh, sorry, the, the sort of Middle East in particular are, are less uh, okay with public touch, but are, but actually when behind closed doors, as it were, the, the hug between a mother and father or between a mother and son and all that kind, that's all the same. So that that's that's quite interesting, and and when you then dig down into trying to understand, um, you know, a, a little bit more about well, well, is touch subjective? You know, so for me, a big question that that comes out is that if we are operating under a, and this this kind of touches on on Mondays chewing over, but if we're operating under a patient centered um, BPS framework. We have to recognize the relevance of the individual subjective and also the weaknesses of population-based RCTs. We, we have to. If, if you're truly client-centered and BPS, you have to recognize that both of them have a place. Like yep. To me, it's, it, that's a no-brainer, which is what you were arguing on Monday. But mm -hmm. then I sort of ask, well, is touch, is massage subjective? So some of the interesting stats that have been pulled out of the touch test so far um, Seventy-two percent of respondents have a positive association or positive attitude to touch. Now, that obviously means that nearly a third don't, um, and and you'd have to dive deeper into the into the the data to work out what nuances there were with that negative association. But there certainly seems to be a bias towards um, whether you are an introvert or an extrovert unsurprisingly extroverts do seem to respond or have more positive attitudes to touch um but there is also uh, a um uh, a type of personality almost that 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 recognizes people who who cope better through community and people who cope better on their own um and and um, again unsurprisingly people who who are more inclined to cope on their own are less likely to respond positively to touch. You've then got differences between gender. And again, women tend to um, respond more positively to touch in a self-care uh, context, um, you know, which could explain things like your um, pedicures and your manicures and your hairdressers and all that kind of stuff, because that's all, that's all touch self-care where men are actually more positive to touch in a intimate relationship which i thought was quite interesting mm -hmm. um there is a strong correlation between more um regular and uh, more recent touch and an increase in overall well-being and a decrease in reported loneliness okay so there is definitely this social wellness aspect that comes from touch mm -hmm. and and there does seem to be a very very strong bias that quality is more important than quantity so then when you kind of start um going well, okay so so if, if three quarters well 
yeah, close to three quarters of the population globally have said that they have a positive association to touch. Is touch really subjective? And, and, and does our understanding, does the science underlying what might be going on when we're being touched and that positive association, does that, does that corroborate, I suppose, this, this positive attitude to touch being a population-wide uh, phenomena? And, and the answer is, it appears so, yes. So, you know, anyone who's, who's done anything pain science related will be aware of the different nerve endings in the skin um and um the fact that uh your free nerve endings for example are your notion receptors and you've got your Merkels and your meisners and all that kind of stuff in the 90s um we finally discovered a nerve ending that wraps around uh, hair follicles um and what's really really interesting without going into too much detail about how they've done all this um but essentially it's an unmyelinated um fiber that responds to a very, very specific type of touch. And this is where, interestingly, the specificity over um, techniques might come in. Um, and that is, it responds most vigorously to a gentle, dynamic touch, i.e. moving. Um, uh, and that movement has to be between three and 10 centimeters per second, which by coincidence, design or evolution, however you want to look at it, is the speed that most people would stroke a partner or a child or, you know, some sort of careful, mindful caress is about that speed across the skin. Now, these receptors are only found in hairy skin. And so they're not on the palms of our hands. It's only on hairy skin. And for, for the ladies listening, hairy skin, unfortunately, does include things like your back and everywhere else, because actually, if it's not the hand, not your hands or your soles, or your feet or the inside of your lips, it's hairy skin. But that means that we are actually um, full of receptors that respond to a very specific type of touch in areas that most people would regard as pleasant when seeking massage. The back massage is nice for a reason perhaps, because we actually have the highest density of these receptors on our backs. So then the next question is, well, why is that relevant? And, and through some uh, subjects who unfortunately have, um, you know, neurological deficits in this area and some fantastic um, science, we've basically been able to track the nerve impulse from those nerve cells to the location of it, that, they, that they activate in the brain, which is the, the insular cortex. And we know from other experiments that the insular cortex is predominantly involved in emotion, but actually also operates as a moderator for nociception. So now we've got potentially a link from the type of touch the individual receives to an emotional center in the brain, which we know moderates the nociceptive responses of the brain mm. we also know again from um, uh, functional mri scanning that predominantly when you are touched by someone or something else and you know anyone who's ever watched um laura mosley prance around on stage will talk about this the the sensory cortex somatosensory cortex we know that if someone else touches you in this nice way on the skin 
then the somatosensory cortex fires. But we know if you do it yourself, it doesn't. And so to me, there's, there's a, an interesting kind of trail of breadcrumbs, if you will. I don't think it's anything stronger than that at the moment, but that is sort of taking suddenly mass population data, which we haven't had before on people's subjective around touch, which generally is positive, but we can also identify scenarios where it's not positive. And we've also now got the underlying neuroscience to help explain perhaps some of those uh, things that we perceive. And so if I take a very, uh, you know, if, if, I, if I take a bit of a leap perhaps and I say, okay, so what could this line of breadcrumbs lead to? You could suggest that we now have a mechanism by which touch can relieve pain. It's not pharmacological. It has a reasonable basis for it. And as a result, could be used as, uh, could be justified as analgesia to help someone with minor or chronic musculoskeletal pain get moving again. Mm. And then it comes to the practical aspects of how that, what circumstances is that or isn't that appropriate based on yeah. a whole host of things, including the oh, economics gotcha. of it with regards to where we go back to me and Michelle talking about it in ED, it would yeah. take for a shift in a, in a significant shift in an economic model of, of what we'd understand in terms of value, as well as needing to mo yeah. measure it in that context and understand how we would triage that choice almost. Um, so yeah, fascinating. And thank you for that. And I know we're, we're just, I've got a few minutes and so I just wanted to pull some yeah. questions and comments up. Oh, please do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was, uh, that was great. I've, um, some, some, some lovely comments, especially early doors about how, you know, Jeanette's saying about, she's always saying to her students, never underestimate the power of touch and its psychological impacts. And I think that most people would associate strongly with that. Um, Joe Turner has, uh, has weighed in here and oh, I like this one here. She's saying, Hey, patient, I'm going to try and alter the way in which your pain is behaving. I'm going to pull various things from my extensive hands-on and hands-off toolkit to achieve that. It's hilarious when you yeah. sort of try to, as if as if you would <laughs> articulate it that way. But yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a brilliant one. Bernadette Johnson has, has shared that massages are painkiller in the same way as paracetamol. It's pointless to deny the former to someone in pain. If anything, paracetamol is a blunt instrument, side effects, massage is a nuanced approach. That's a really interesting point from Bernadette, who's a musculoskeletal patient herself involved in, in MSKR. Uh, there's a quite a lot here. I want to pull up this one from Paula Clayton, though. He said, spanner in the works, how much does it matter? And uh, of course, it's a fair, a fair point. And uh, if a patient genuinely perceives improvement in activity levels and are therefore able to get back to being themselves, as long as that late, that dialogue hasn't been leading, then is that not a success for the particular person? Let's take that one then. So, so, so how much does it matter? matter? Are we just over-nerding it? Well, are we over-nerding it? So how much does touch matter? Um, I, would, I would sort of ask the question, do you believe everything you see? Do you believe everything you hear? Do you believe everything you feel? And is touch perhaps the best way, one of the most direct ways of communicating to someone a, in inverted commas, truth about the condition of their tissues? Because mm. you can sit and talk pain science at them till the cows come home. Or you can communicate to them through one of their senses that they will regard as 
the most truthful. Mm. We know from early infant studies, for example, that the reason touch is important to an infant is because through someone else touching them, they start to perceive the external physical limits of themselves. You know, they don't necessarily start with the concept of my leg is over there. They only know their leg stops over there because someone's now touched the, the bottom of my foot. So we derive a huge amount of truth <laughs> um, in a philosophical sense uh, from touch. And so I would suggest that perhaps it is important as a means of communication to a patient for whom perhaps the, the, the verbal pain ed, the visual uh, doesn't necessarily sit right with them. I think with some of that, you do, you, I don't think that touch could inherently convey with any sense of truth without the appropriate context because of the way in which touch, if touch was painful yep. and there was still that, that personal and social prior about what that would mean and that and mm -hmm. it would only then inherently in, it, it infer the truth of the matter to be that it is painful this, because it's damaged. Yeah. And, and this, therefore... I think, go on. No, I was going to say, and this, I think, comes back to education of therapists. Yeah, and I think Stop as well, hurting it's... people with your modalities. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I know, and it's just it, what's what's fascinating to me is that, that that there is something there, and it's only, but it's just that. Imagine that if you sterilize the environment in a, in a, in a metaphorical sense to say that you're not going to try and give a positive or negative context or give the give some clarity to what the touch means and then you know look at this this trying to develop that sense of safety via touch as a communicative act it's that that will come with it some sense of of, of truth and accuracy accuracy in terms of its its reality to the, the likelihood of that tissue being relevantly damaged or not for example or truly being safe to move mm -hmm. and i think that that's where the inherent nature of it would need to be questioned because if we were to therefore um you know if we were able to sort of sterilize it to some extent it'd be it'd be interesting um i've got a um i've got a i've got I've a paula's uh, comment yeah i know i've got paula's uh, <laughs> loving these spanners in the works i like being hurt by modality all right paula that's brilliant she needs to come and justify that statement but i'm not i think none of us are surprised if we know paula but um also I've, apologies to joe turner who said she's not kidding she would say that <laughs> i thought she was being uh, really over literal but no she would say that fair enough uh, your, your patients are smarter than 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 mine i'd say uh, joe i'd uh, definitely we're wanting to uh, well, I suppose I wouldn't be smart enough to say it how you said it. I think that's probably more accurate than my patience. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're out of time, mate. Thank you so much. We definitely need to revisit this and all corners of it as, as time passes. But people can tune in to the Massage Matters podcast and other materials from the Massage Collective uh, on, on social media and across all, all good podcast players in order to, to get more of your thoughts on these sorts of topics. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Thank you very much. And um yeah, no, thank you, everyone, for giving me the opportunity to just brain dump as well. It's good to help get my thoughts in order. Absolutely. I've just posted a link to the Therapy Live Sport. Uh, we've released the final thousand tickets to that event. Um, and the session list, although it's not quite a program yet, is, is out now. And so do check that out because, yeah, they're going to be snapped up. And Matt and his Massage Collective squad will be presenting at uh, Therapy Live Sport and discussing 
these things in the context of massage for recovery. So uh, really? please do uh, do join us for that. And thanks again, Matt. We'll speak soon, mate. All right. Cheers. Cheers, Jack. Cheers.